sir? Yes, sir. Here we go. First All right. One. All right. So my name is Corey Hollis. I am a current third grade teacher here in uh, Beaufort County School District. Um, I've taught second grade for three years. I've taught third grade for one year. Um, I was the 2019-2020 Teacher of the Year at my school. Um, born and raised in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, attended University of South Carolina, Beaufort. Earned my bachelor's in early childhood education. Um, and while I was there, I was also a member of the Call Me Mr. program, which um, emphasizes putting uh, males in the classroom, and particularly minority males in areas where those minority male figures are needed. So it's just a small, small little background about me, a little bit about what I do. Okay, yes, sir. And how long have you been teaching now? Um, I'm entering my fifth year teaching. Fifth year, wow, okay. So <clears throat> tell me a little bit about your, your first year coming out of USC Buford, uh, going into the classroom. What was that like for you? Could you describe that in one word for me? One word? Uh, you know, I'm just going to say insane. That's going to be my one word, insane. Um, you know, like coming into it, of course, you know, you think you prepared, you know, you feel confident. And, you know, if you, you know, if you're anybody like me, you know, you, you have confidence, you know, you, you feel like you can walk the walk, you can talk the talk. However, you know, it was many things in my internship that I remembered to carry on with me to my first year. But there were many little, I mean, it was many hiccups along the way and many learning experiences. Um, you know, first of all, you know, it can be small things you may forget, such as like taking attendance or taking lunch count. Now, you know, some people freak out and panic. That's just not me. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'll, you know, I get it together. But I mean, also, you know, I had to deal with things like, okay, it's my first year. During my first year, I actually had two partner teachers and at my school, it's only two teachers per grade level. So just imagine coming into teaching your first year and your first partner teacher, she's pregnant and she's going to be out on maternity leave. So she was only with me for like maybe a month, maybe a month and a half. So, of course, you know, I I use her for guidance and things like that at times when I needed it. But once she left, I had another um woman come in and she was from las vegas so the the tricky part with that was that you know just coming from vegas to south carolina it was a culture shock for her and a lot of things i actually realized that i actually had to teach her a lot of things about the area and how um certain kids may act due to their circumstances because her school demographic population was completely different than mine so you know i i will say it was insane and it was insane in a good way, but also insane in a, I don't want to say a bad way, but you know, it, it was just all around, all around insane. Like, you know, it'd be some rough days, um, you know, like rough days, um, kids, uh, you know, kids not doing work, uh, you know, you know, you might have days where, you know, kid might threaten you, might try to get a little aggressive. Um, you know, it might be days where, you know, um, you feel like, man, I don't know what to do or, man, I got to get all these things in. I got to meet all these deadlines. And, you know, it's a lot of things you learn in college, but 
until you actually do it yourself that first year, you really don't know what's really going to happen. You know, and, um, you know, your first year, you know, they tell you to rely on your mentor, your partner, teacher. But, you know, when you have, uh, you know, when you have two partner teachers, you know, that's 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 inconsistency. And, you know, I think my first year, I think that it was a struggle. It was insane, but it helped me become better because I learned how to adapt fast. Mm. You know, most people, they crash. I feel like most people, they crash and burn under pressure. And most people, they don't know how to take change really well. But I think that's one thing I've always did. And um, I just think that's helped me become better in the long run, you know, as a teacher. But, yeah, man, the first year was insane. And I will definitely say that, you know, as far as college and then going into your first year, they're going to prepare you as much as they can. But it's a lot of things they don't tell you about being in the classroom. And if, you know, if colleges were just 100 percent authentic with how teaching really can be, especially at schools with certain demographics and certain struggles and certain problems. If, if I mean, if they keep it crystal clear and keep it authentic, then no teacher will be in for a surprise, you know. But yeah, my, yeah, my, my first year was insane, man. It was a bit all over the place. But hey. I enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm actually still at the school I'm at now. So, I mean, it didn't run me out of there. It just made me want to stay and try to make a difference and make a change and improve my craft and hone my skills. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Pressure McDonald's. Um, Let me ask you this, though. Um, You said the partner teacher. Is that song specifically within your district or is that song that's done statewide? I've never heard that term, actually. Partner. Well, I mean, well, what what I'm saying, you know, when I say partner, it's like, you know, like your grade level partners. Like okay. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's what I meant by, by partner. But at my school, you know, my school is, I want to say my school is actually the smallest in my district. So it's only two teachers per grade level. So when I say my partner teacher, that's what I meant. Oh, you know, wow. a lot of teachers, they might have, they might have four third grade teachers in their school or like eight first grade teachers. It just depends on, you know, the size of your school and things like that. But, you know, that's what I meant by my, by my partner teacher right there. That's what I meant. Okay. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your, your district, the school that you uh, teach in now? Yeah, so um, I'm located in Beaufort County School District. Um, it's right on the coast, uh, the southeast part of South Carolina, near Georgia. Um, you know, when most people think of Beaufort County, um, typically, you know, it's a big tourist attraction because of Hilton Head. Yes, sir. And, you know, we're known, we're known for the beaches. We're known for the golf courses. But, you know, our school district, you know, I, I actually love our school district. I really do. And I think the unique thing about our district is that it's a lot of it's a lot of historical places here in this county that a lot of people, you know, they might not know a lot about. For example, you know, we have uh, St. Helena Island, which is prominent and is very known for the Gullah Geechee culture. Um, you know, um, a lot of slaves were there. Um, you have the, the the historic Penn Center, which was the first free the first school for free slaves, and a lot of people don't know this thing, and it's it's all in our county. Um, you have um, we have a very high uh, Hispanic population over in the Bluffton area, um, so it's it's like a lot of random cool things about our district. Um, a lot of random things, um, a lot of a lot of culture, a lot of things to get into. Um, let's see. Um, the school, the schools are very diverse. It's a very diverse area. Um, it's not a, it, I mean, coming from Columbia, in my opinion, the district is very small. 
coming from Columbia is very small. But I will say, I mean, I feel like I know a lot of people in this district because it's, it's, it's pretty small. It's pretty small. Um, that's a little bit about my district. And then the school I'm at, I currently teach at Port Royal Elementary School. Uh, Port Royal Elementary School was founded in 1911. And I'm um, right in Port Royal, South Carolina. Um, it's a very historical port. And um, our school is actually a historical landmark. So if you drive by my school and you know, you like, you know, that little bronze, little historical landmark sign you see on places, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's like right outside my school. Okay. And um, yeah, it's called Port Royal Elementary School. And, um, you know, like I say, it's, it's two teachers per grade level. Um, We have a we have a, a playground and it's like, it's like, it's like, it's, it's, it's run by the town of Port Royal. It's not, it doesn't even belong to our school. It belongs to the public. Wow. So like, it, yeah. So like if, if people want to come to our playground, that's not a part of the school. They have to wait until like after school hours, but you know, and um, the town of Port Royal, you know, it's like a very small town and it's a very tight knit community. And, you know, kind of like what I said, just about like working in the school district. I know people from all over, but that's how I feel about just working at Port Royal. Like if I ever drive in that area or like just drive around, like sometimes like, you know, I just see people that I know and they can identify me by my car or, you know, like I see kids and like I just stop and speak to them. It's, it's really like a very close knit community and a close knit family. And I think a lot of places they lack that. But, you know, in my case, you know, it's very close knit, it's very tight at my school. And then, like I say, like my area, which is Port Royal, is only so big. And that school serves for that area. So, you know, I'm really glad to be there. And I've really enjoyed my time. Like, all of my years have been great there. Yes, sir. Okay, so let's let's travel in into your classroom. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I kind of want to go into the atmosphere. I haven't been able to observe you yet. You know, we were trying to set that up, but COVID came around. But... Right. You know, certain teachers, they have, they want all their students to, if there's two doors, they want them to come into that front door. So they walk right by them. They're able to greet their students. Certain mm -hmm. teachers have names for their classroom. What things like that have you implemented to use in your classroom as far as setting that atmosphere, that learning environment, all of that? So it's just a, a great space. Well, I mean, first and foremost, <laughs> I mean, I will say every year. I've gained something different and I've kind of added on to my class atmosphere. Now I will say, you know, like in my opinion, the most important aspect of teaching is classroom management. And um, I learned my management style from my practicum two teacher. And I took what she taught me and I just kind of put my spin on it. And she was a firm believer in the whole brain teaching style. And um, that's something that y'all can look up and they actually make books about it. So, okay. you know, you can check that out. But, you know, she was a believer in the whole, in the um, in that teaching style. And it, it's, it has a lot of call and responses and a lot of movement with it. And, you know, I'm I'm the type of person like when I'm in my classroom, I never sit still. I'm always up. I'm always moving. I'm always chanting something, yelling something. And, you know, and I will say my students like it. You know, we do have a lot of fun, but I will say in order to have fun, those first two weeks of school, man, I run my classroom like I'm a drill sergeant because if I'm able to bring you up, hype you up, and if we can have some fun, you have to have 
the ability to calm down and get back on track. You know, um, we sang, we chant, I rap songs. Um, you know, it can be noisy in my classroom. And I might say, oh, class. And my class might respond, oh, yes. I'll say, hands up top. And then they'll put their hands on top of their head and say, everybody stop. And they just look at me with their hands on top of their head. And I drill it into them the first two weeks of school. I mean, we do it for hours. You know, we do it for hours. So, I mean, you know, first of all, you know, I just try to be, I try to be that teacher that was different, that did things that they never saw before. And um, I know for a fact that's really played out and it's worked well because I saw it work well when I was going in my practical two class. I saw how well it worked for her. So, of course, I'm more than willing to try it. And, um, you know, that's one thing about me. Um, as far as like uh, what else I do, you know, I'm big on um, a team approach. You know, I kind of run it like, you know, I'm the head coach. My parents are my assistant coaches and the students are the players. Okay. But at like the end that. of the day, but at the end of the day, like if if somebody's slacking, if it's me, if it's one of my assistants, which are the parents, or if it's one of the students, it, 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 it's not going to flow as smooth as possible. You know, we might not always win the game. So we got to go back to the drawing board and figure out what I can do. Um, constant, communi constant parent communication is important. Um, I email, uh, send weekly newsletters so they know exactly what I'm doing and exactly what I plan to do each day. Now, of course, that changes. But they do get a great they do get a great sense of what we're going to be doing. Um, you know, the parents, they have my cell phone number. They can call me. They can text me anytime I need it. And, you know, they also know I have a part time job, but they know that, you know, I will always get back to them as soon as possible. Um, I also stress to the parents that it is very important that if you have any questions, concerns or comments at all, if something doesn't sit right with you or if you want to know why something happened or if you want to know why I did something I did, please reach out to me. Please reach out to me. So I just try to build that great sense of community, not with my students, but the parents. Because like I say, if you think about it like a team, you know, you can be, I mean, you could be Bill Belichick, but, you know, Bill Belichick, he has a great offensive coordinator in Josh McDaniels. So, you know, I mean, you know, he still has some great people working with him to try to get the job done. And that's what I need. You know, I need the parents' support. I need the kids to show up and show out and get their work done inside my classroom and keep their great behavior. Um, another thing you asked me, you asked me about like a class theme. I have a theme. I have a theme every year. Last year, we were the Lit Squad, L-I-T. Lit stands for uh, listening, involved, and trying. And I believe if you are listening to me teaching, if you are getting yourself involved, and if you are trying to learn and trying to complete our work, you will be successful. You know, I had a chant with that. We broke it down every morning. You know, every morning my class captain would break it down. You know, we got lit on me, lit on three, one, two, three, lit. And like we would yell it in the class next door. They would always say something about it. They'd hear it down the hallway. Sometimes I leave my door open because I, I want the whole school to know what we're doing. You know, I want the whole school to see our energy in my classroom. Yes, you know, sir. you walk in my classroom, you know, I, t I, t I tell people, you know, if some people might walk in my classroom, I might be standing on the table. I might be standing on the desk. We might be rapping. We might be singing. We might be watching a movie. I mean, you never know what we're going to be doing. I try to keep things diverse to try to meet the needs of all of my students, you know. But then, of course, you know, you also got to cater to your population. You know, my population in my class, you know, is very mixed. I have African-American kids. 
I have Caucasian kids and I have Hispanic kids. I have a little bit of everything. And then me being an African-American male teacher is just a great mix. So, you know, I do a little bit of things that everybody likes and it just really creates a great culture. But the thing is, you know, me, I, I will say, you know, I was blessed to have a principal. She really let me do things my way. Now, of course, I followed the rules, but she wanted me to just take my approach to be creative and just to kind of, you know, see, see, see how I could get the best out of my students. And I'm so thankful that she did that because I feel like a lot of people, they might try to micromanage and things like that. And I will say, like, every time I was actually like, hey, Mr. Hollis, why are you doing things like this? Or why are you doing things like that? Man, I always had a good reason and no one could ever doubt what I was doing. So, you know, that's, that's a little bit about my my classroom uh, style, my management or, you know, I forgot what your question was. But, you know, yes, uh, I hope I answered all parts of your question. Yes, sir. Um, I know you have visited uh, Ron Clark Academy in Atlanta. Can you uh, yeah. share that experience with? <laughs> hey, man. So I'm a, so I'll be honest. I, I heard about Ron Clark actually from um one of my very good friends and she teaches fifth grade at my school and uh she mentioned ron clark and i'm like ron clark man who is ron clark and like you know one of the first things that stuck with me was like she said he had like a huge super like a big super duper slide in his school so i'm like oh that's kind of cool the kids can like go down the slide like what kid doesn't like going down a gigantic slide i'm i'm 26 years old i will slide down the slide if you know the kids really want me to but um yeah man I went um to Atlanta I went to I visited the Ron Clark Academy and when I walked in the door I mean first of all the school looked like a castle so it was I mean the look of the school was very appealing you know it had like a Harry Potter feel to it wow but yeah I mean it was cool so like you know we walked through the doors walked through the double doors me and the uh me and the person I went with and I tell you no lie man like the kids had they little band out playing. They had they was drumming. They was in the hallway clapping, rapping. I mean they they were turned up, man. And you know you know us we like oh man like these kids they they really enjoying it like they're really enjoying it. So of course a part of me was like man they just doing this for show because they got visitors right. But like the longer I stayed there I realized like yo like they do this on a daily basis. Like this is really the culture of their school. You know, because, you know, a lot of time, you know, when visitors come, you know, you always try to, you know, you try to put on your best hat. You know, you try to, you know, you try to it really impress people. But man, like, you know, um, Ron Clark and Kim Bearden, you know, they led the way they were talking to us. And, you know, they told us about like how the house system works, where they can accumulate points and things like that. And then they let us observe some classrooms. And, you know, I see like Ron Clark standing on the desk. I see the kids shouting and chanting and, um, you know, they're like, they're speaking very respectful. Um, they, they're standing up to talk The teachers. They're asking high, high level questions. I mean, they're not asking a basic yes or no response. They're, they're asking questions. And then once the kid answers a question, they're still challenging them to like, to basically prove the answer. Mm. Um, I mean, it, I mean, it was, it was unlike anything I've ever seen before. And then, Another thing that really stuck out to me was um, when we ate lunch and we ate lunch and the kids were responsible for basically, you know, you, you, you treat your guests with respect. 
So basically, you know, if anybody goes to anybody's house, you know, you're supposed to be treated a certain type of way. Like, hey, come on in, you know, make yourself at home. I was very impressed at how articulate these students were with just talking and carrying on the conversation. Because this is a skill that most kids lack is how to have an effective conversation. And the fact that they were doing this with people they have never seen in their lives before. I mean, I was genuinely impressed. I, I, I was genuinely impressed. But um, yeah, the Ron Clark Academy, I mean, just having a school like that was crazy. And it was crazy because, you know, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, this is cool that I actually kind of do some of this stuff. And it was cool that I can actually go. And I took a lot of that stuff back with me. And um, and actually what my school did, every teacher in my school went. So we actually incorporated some of the Ron Clark principles at my school. And, you know, I'm just watching like over the past two years, I really got to see how much fun the students are having. Like, like, I mean, every Friday we do stuff, you know, like we break it down. We have crews. So, I mean, the Ron Clark experience definitely is something I feel everyone should go to. I don't know if it'll work for everyone. I don't know if it'll work for everyone in their school. But I will say, like, I'm an outgoing person. And those are those are outgoing teachers at the school and outgoing students. So I will say Ron Clark is not going to work for someone that has a boring personality as a teacher. But for someone like me, I mean, I'm grateful I got that experience. And like I say, I mean, I, I brought a lot of things with me back on my teaching journey and I've added to my repertoire of things. Yes, sir. What are some things you implement in your classroom to really make students learn from one another? Like where you can kind of, as you said, you being a coach, you can just let everything come together. The students learn, discuss the problems amongst themselves and come to a solution as a group. All right. Well, I mean, I feel like a lot of that has to come with the first two weeks of school. And, you know, a lot of teachers, they're so quick to jump into content and want to teach. And I tell people this all the time. And some people understand exactly what I do and they understand why I do what I do. But, man, during my first two weeks of school, I don't teach a thing. I strictly do activities and I do team building exercise. I will purposefully set up activities that are not going to just work. Like I purposefully like I might like say if it's like, OK, we're going to see which table is going to solve this puzzle the fastest. Right. So automatically, you know, you might have a competition going on first day. And, you know, sometimes you just got to break the ice in your classroom, man. Like like I introduce myself. I tell them, you know, I tell them about me and I say, I don't care what happened last year. You know, that last year is last year. You got a fresh start. You know, some of y'all have been labeled the problem kids. Some of you have been labeled as the struggling reader. I mean, yeah, that might be with you, but we have a new start. We're going to make people forget about all that negative stuff they said about you. So automatically, I'm speaking positivity into the kids. I'm trying to get them to become positive thinkers so they don't be down on themselves. You know, I introduce them to me. You know, I'm, 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 I'm a very strict person, but I'm also a silly person. You know, I tell them what I like to do in my spare time. Like, yeah, I work at the Nike store. Yeah, I got plenty of Jordan shoes. You know, yeah, I like to go play golf. Yeah, I like rap music. You know, I show them random pictures, you know, so just so they can kind of warm up to me a bit. Now, it's to the point now where, I mean, the kids know who I am. So, I mean, they kind of know what to expect. But, you know, coming into it, you know, I really had to break that ice with, you know, those early students. And um, 
But uh, yeah, I mean, in order to kind of build that culture, you know, I feel like you have to teach your kids. You have to teach your kids how to hold conversations, how to talk to people. You know, um, problem solving is not something these kids are going to know. They struggle with. But one thing I tell kids, you know, I can say things in two different ways and it can come off as either being okay or it can be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. It's all about your approach and how you say it. I know activity I do every first day of school. Like I, like I mentioned, the puzzle. One group, I always leave out a puzzle piece. So, of course, somebody always blames Someone like, oh, man, why you lost a puzzle piece? La, 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 la. And it gets loud. So at the end, you know, one group can't solve the puzzle. But we take it as a learning moment. And I'll say, I have the puzzle piece, but you all did not do a great job of communicating effectively. So we're going to walk through this. So after, you know, I pretty much call them out for it, I demonstrate how to effectively communicate. So for the rest of the week. I intentionally do the same thing with other activities. So now I see if they're listening and if they're trying to effectively communicate. For some students, it is really hard because they do not talk correctly at home or, you know, they don't talk with respect at home or their parents may not talk to them with respect. So it's something that you really have to practice, but you have to model it. But it's not an easy task. Sometimes it takes some kids months. You know, some kids, they they come to school and I mean, they know exactly what to do, but it's something that you have to practice with activities, you know, and, you know, you have to, you know, you really have to show them respect and they will treat you with respect. You know, I tell my students, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm all about respect. And the moment you disrespect me or someone else, we have a problem. And, and, and they know that from day one. So it's all about setting the standards, setting the bar high, but also, you know, you can't just tell them these things. You have to model what the correct way is to do these things as well. And that, that's pretty much what I do. Yes, sir. Okay, I don't want to... Everything's been great. I definitely appreciate everything you've shared so far. And I don't want to turn the conversation into a, a negative one, but I do feel that we need to discuss these things as far as a lot of our districts in our state are failing. You know, there's the corridor of shame, and just recently we have what the governor is doing with private versus public. So I I do want you to go into, you know, we've talked about this before, but your your view as far as the public system is very interesting. That's why I want you to to share that with us today. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I'll, I've talked to you about this before. I know it's crossed my mind, and you know, for the longest, I've always heard, you know public schools this, public schools that. And I always wondered why people put their kids in private schools. And basically, it comes down to the belief that, you know, with a private school, you get a better education in some way, whether it's academics or it's just like less issues that they may face. But, you know, I I, I, I thought back about it and I thought all the way back to, to like segregation. I thought all the way back to segregation. And, you know, of course, you know, the blacks and whites, they didn't go to school together. And when integration happened, if you think about it, when integration happened, yeah, a lot of schools integrated. But a lot of a lot of white folks didn't want their kids going to schools with the black folks. So what happened? You had what was called um, like the um, the rate. The, I don't think I don't think the politically correct term is like the racial academy. It's not called that. But a lot of schools were 
found because of those reasons. And, you know, that's something that you can, I mean, that's something you can Google. But at the end of the day, they're, they're still private. They're still private schools. And, you know, I thought about it like, okay, well, you know, someone put the belief in that private schools are just better. And if you look at it now in like today's perspective, I feel that no one values public education. And, the re- and I'm not going to say no one, but many people don't value public education. The reason why is because everyone has a chance to get it. For example, say if you have, well, I know a lot of people, they're in the shoes. So I'm going I'm to I'm I'm talk about shoes. I'm going to put in the shoe aspect. You know, probably once every two weeks, once every month, some retro Jordan gets dropped. Now, do they make a pair for everybody or do they only make a certain few pair? They only gonna make, yeah. Right. They're only going to make a certain amount. Right. Yes, sir. Now, because you only make a certain amount, everybody can't get it. So what happens? The resale comes in, they up the prices and whoever really wants it, they're going to go get it based off the amount of money they have. Right. Yes, sir. All right. When people see more value in something, they're going to spend money for it. And I feel like that's the same thing with private education. You know, people see more value in private education, so they're going to spend money for it. Now, another thing I look at, too, like a lot of people, they don't want what everybody else can have. A lot of people, they they want something that may provide better opportunity or, you know, a lot of things that may give their kids a better insight or better light or, you know, um, you know, oh, um, I know a lot of people and I know people from private backgrounds and they say, well, you know, there's a lot of bad things going on in public schools such as this, such as that. So, you know, I, I want to put my kids in a, uh, in a in a private education, you know, I mean, you know, if you look at the, the public education issues, a lot of it comes with funding. You know, you talk about like Title One funding, you talk about money, things like that. A lot of these kids that are in these public schools come from areas of poverty. You don't see too many kids. I don't know if you see any kids from poverty at a private school where it's supposed to be in such better as to what a lot of people think. Right. Yes, sir. So automatically it's like, it's almost, it's almost like you're, you're, you're trying to separate, you know, impoverished kids from kids that may have a little, may have it a little bit more well off, you know, in my opinion, you know, another thing I look at, as far as uh, public versus private, you know, when I think of public schools, you know, when I think of like the amount of credentials a teacher must have to teach public school, I mean, it is outrageous. You know, you got to pass all these tests. You got to get evaluated. And I don't know what the private school does. But one thing I know and one thing I feel is that, you know, I don't think that the government as a whole I don't think we have people in positions of power to fully understand how a public school works and how, you know, you might drive five minutes down the street and what might works at one public school does not work at another public school. Okay, so let's talk about that right there. Let's let's talk about that. So as far as the leadership, the people that are making these rules, also laws passing the funding everything like that just in leadership within the education the education system yeah why are they going so hard to push the 
private schools, putting them first, taking funding from the public school. That's what we got going on right now in South Carolina. Right. But it's bigger bigger than just our state because I see the head of the Department of Education, she has a background as well. Uh, And I just noticed the pattern that all of these people that are in places of leadership, they're pushing private, private, private. And me personally, I feel that it's messed up that they're receiving funds from the government, but at the same time, they're profiting off of it. It just, it, it rubs me the wrong way, but I'm going to let you go into hey, that. Hey, since, hey, what you just said, you hit it on the nail. You hit the hammer on the nail. They're profiting off of it. Think about, I mean, think about, like, I mean, just, just think about what's going on right now with, like, the coronavirus. I mean, just think about that. We have places open, and especially down here, like like where I'm at, Beaufort County, man, we're, we're, we're a tourist area. We're a tourist attraction, man. So, of course, we're not going to shut down. Like, a lot of people don't want to shut down because at the end of the day, what is it all about? It's all about money. That's why things aren't shut down, because people value money over education. Mm. People value money over health. And that's the way it's kind of always been, man. Like in my personal opinion, that's how it's been. You know, I I, I look at it like this. I, I mean, I really look at it like this, especially especially this area, like down here. And I'm I'm just talking about my area in particular. You know, this county thrives off tourism. So, if we were to shut down, per se, then this county would not make a lot of money at all. And we have a lot of like mom and pop type businesses. So they're really going to suffer. So for a lot of people, I feel that a lot of people want to be open and they're willing to take the risk because at the end of the day, what do you need to survive? One thing you need is money. You understand what I'm saying? However, when it gets down to the decision of what do we do about school? You got a lot of people. Oh, we're just going to start virtual to be safe. But then a lot of people have a problem with it. And then some counties like mine, you know, we plan, we actually plan on going back to school starting September 8th. But if the cases get worse, then we're going to go all virtual. But like I say, man, it, it, it's it, education became political somehow. Instead of it being about the kids, it became about the adults. Like education really became political, you know. Yeah. My, in my opinion, you know, there are a lot of rules and laws that were put in place. And I think it like I mean, and if you think about it, you know, like once you like like and I know you like once you go into, you know, like your deeper education courses, you're going to learn about some of these policies that were put in place. And in theory, like, you know, a lot of these policies, I understand why they were made, but that gave the government power to do a lot of stuff. And you remember what I said? What might be specific and what might at once might work at one school, it might not work at another. But then you got to think about it. You have people in power that have no public school background teaching experience at all. So why are you in a position to give a public school decision? You know, and it's all the chain of command. You know, you might can do one thing in your district or your county or statewide, but you still got to answer to a big dog up top. You know, it's always I feel like it's always somebody above someone in power that has the final say so. But like I say, you know, you talk about like the Department of Education right now, you know, nationwide. You know, we have a person in power. She doesn't have a public school background. 
you know, you, you know, we talk about um, what just happened uh, last week where they were trying to give money to private schools. Why? When public schools clearly need resources in order to be successful. So, like, it doesn't even make sense and you can't even make it make sense. But people are still trying to push the issue of, like, giving extraneous resources to private schools. In my opinion, a lot of people that put their kids in private schools, they probably can't afford to afford a lot of their own resources. But what about these kids? You know, they might have a single parent, four kids or single parent, one kid, and they struggle to get by. But you're just taking all the resources away from them. You know, I, I, I just I just don't like that. I just feel like people might not value and I think people might not value public education because they just don't know what public education is. Public education at one school might have been a, a a very tremendous experience. Public education for another person might have been a horrific experience. And I feel like we group schools together so much based on public versus private when there's different types of situations going on in every public school in America. You know, but I I, I, I think that it, it it just needs to be like the people in power. So people in power that make that make private or that make any education decision, they need to have a clear education background, you know. And if and I, I, like I say, I don't expect for someone that has a private school education to know what it takes to run a public school and vice versa. I, I, I mean, if I ever became that became that high in power for education, you know, I have a public school background. I'm not going to sit here and say with confidence, I even have the idea of where to start with running a private school. You know, that that's not my background, I, you know, but I, I think that there are a lot of issues with public school. And I think that it just gets grouped as public and private. Like, like I, I look at how I grew up. I grew up on one side of Columbia and then I moved to another side of Columbia. Both. I mean, all my school systems were public all my life. But where I was at from uh pretty much pre-k through sixth grade that's that i mean that that's one thing and then you take me from seven through 12 that's a whole nother experience and i will say that seven through 12 experience was so much better than my kindergarten through sixth experience but guess what it was still private school so like i say just because i mean i'm sorry it's still public school i'm sorry yes, but sir. just because it was public school that don't mean like I, like i say we can't group all public schools in the same area the same category the schools are more segregated now than ever. And even deeper than that, I would take it a step farther and saying the classrooms are segregated where there are certain labels placed on students where they end up in different classrooms. We obviously know that tracking exists, but it's. Right, right. And, and you know, they will they, they will group kids off of that. I mean, I've heard people say, oh, they got the low class, they got the high class, they got the GT class. All right. That's cool. But like, oh, and and, 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 and and I've heard people say this. I mean, even, even you know, people I work with. Oh, oh, yeah. Hey, we're going to give them the Hollis next year. They need a male in their life. Hmm. Why? But why you? Why do they need a male in their life? Because they run through your classroom like crazy. Because they don't respect you. So you just think that they just automatically need a male in their life. My thing is, you know, like what is that teacher doing in order to try to build that relationship with kids? So, I mean, it's it's just a lot. It's just a lot, man.
Like, I, I, a lot of it, I really don't understand. Yes, sir. Also, I uh, want to go into, we're going to move on into the last last segment and talk about your legacy as an educator. What do you want that to be? What are you putting in place now that's going to have a impact soon and also down the road? I mean, one thing I tell my students all the time, you know, they'll, you know, my students, you know, I might say something silly, I might say something crazy, and they'll laugh, and they say, oh, "Mr. Hollis, you're funny," or "Mr. Hollis, you're weird." Like I, I, I hear my students say that a lot, and I tell them all the time. I say, you know what? You can have all these teachers in your life, you will never forget me. Mm. Like I, I say, you would, you would never forget me, and. I mean, the obvious reason why, let's just, you know, let's just be honest with it. I'm the first African-American, I'm the first male, I'll say 90% of them ever had, but then I'm like the first African-American male they ever had. So that alone will resonate with all of them. You know, the fact that, the fact that I told them like, you know, like I'm your teacher, but I'm also a person. You know, like, yeah, I'm a teacher, but at the end of the day, I'm still a person. We need to learn how to talk. We need to learn about respect. You know, yeah, I might wear shirt and tie. I might wear a polo shirt, but, you know, I can wear Jordans. I can wear earrings. You know, I let my tattoos show. I'm still a person. So, I mean, that, I mean, that's just one thing. Like, I just tell my students, like, you're, you're, you know, you'll, you'll, never, you'll never forget me. You know, I, I did a guest reading yesterday with some of the kids from summer school. And man, I got on the Zoom call and the kids were, were yelling and screaming. I mean, they were excited to see me. Mm. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of kids would be excited to see their teacher. But, you know, they started asking me things I told them personally. Like, like they were asking me about my car. They were asking me about my part time job. Like, you know, so it's like I feel like I build a deeper. Well, I know I build a more deeper connection than just being their teacher, you know. You know, and, 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 you know, you know, you hear the term that, you know, like be a parent, don't be a friend. You know, I don't look at no kid as a friend and they don't. And, you know, some of them might look at me as a friend, but I tell them I'm, I'm not your friend. You know, I'm your I'm, I'm your teacher, but I'm here to educate you. You know, at the end of the day, we are both people, you know, just because you're a kid, you know, I'm going to give you a voice. You know, I'm going to give you a chance to talk. You know, you're going to get to know me while I get to know you. And I think that a lot of adults never give kids a chance because it's always a whatever I say so goes approach. That's just not me. You know, it's just not me. So, you know, I just hope I leave the legacy that, you know, man, I've never had a teacher like Mr. Hollis. Like, that was a great person. Like, I just want the kids to remember me as a great person. Yes, sir. Definitely planting seeds. I definitely appreciate you for coming on here, man. Is there anything else you wanna you wanna share before we wrap it up? Hey, man. All I have to say is, um, you know, we need to keep keep getting quality educators in the classroom, teachers that care, and um, you know, at the college level, we need to educate these teachers the correct way and tell them how it really could be depending on um, how it is in school. Um, if anybody's looking into education, 
Man, it's really a great thing. It's the most rewarding job in the world. It's not always easy. You have your rough days. But, I mean, come on. You have the most important job in America. Without teachers, nobody can do anything because everyone has to learn something in order to do something. You know, as a teacher, you might have to be a parent. You know, you might have to be the emotional support system. You know, you might have to go support them. You're going to have to build bonds and relationships that can last a lifetime. That's what an effective educator does. I, You know, I, I hate to refer to myself as a teacher. I feel like I'm an educator. Mm. You know? So, you know, I'm going to just clear that up. You know, I'm not a teacher. I'm an educator. like that. Yes, sir. And, um, man, what else can I say? Um, man, that's... I don't know. I mean, as far as the education perspective, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Um, you know, um, like I said, it comes from all levels, man. You know, um, teachers, you definitely have to do your part. Educators, you have to do your part. Parents, you have to do their part as well, man. I think a lot of parents, they place all their responsibility on the teachers. Shouldn't be that way. You know, teachers can only do so much, man. And then students, they got to do their part, too. You know, teachers, you got to stop letting these kids move on. You know, you got to got to identify weaknesses early on and advocate for these kids. You can't just keep pushing them on because, you know, by the time you get to third grade and my grade, if you're already struggling, chances are you're going to make it out successful. Not very high, especially if you're reading extremely below reading level and you haven't been retained. Hey, the chances are you're going to make it out of third grade are not very good. So, I mean, just a total all around approach. You know, we have to be authentic and we got to stop thinking everything is cute. You know, we have to keep it authentic and real from every grade level in education. Thanks. I know, I know one thing I didn't uh, ask you, I wanted to put in there your, your worst experience with a, a parent. If you could just break that down real quick. <laughs> Worst experience with a parent? Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> uh, hmm. You know, I'll be honest. It's, it's very hard to pinpoint one experience. Um, it is, it's, it's pretty hard to pinpoint one. I mean, I can say things like, you know, being a... Uh, being an African-American male, you know, it was like, oh, oh, like we have a, a God as a teacher. All right. We wonder how he'll do. So some of it was like, you know, some some people, some parents doubted me. They, they kind of wanted to see what I was about mm-hmm. or like because I was young, they like tried to like pick my brain apart to kind of like see what what I knew about the field of education. So, I mean, I, I've had I've had like that experience. Um, uh I'll say like during like this whole uh, COVID online journey, man, the worst part about that was like the lack of parent communication, man. Like, you know, I had students not doing work. So, you know, I'm sending emails, I'm trying to text, I'm trying to call and I get no parent response. So, you know, I, I that honestly, in my opinion, that, that that's my worst experience with, with a parent right there. Mm-hmm. The fact that I'm caring enough to reach out to you in order to try to make your child be successful and the fact that I get nothing back in return or I get an excuse for why something isn't done. That's my worst experiences with a parent. Okay. Thank you. Hey, 
Thank you, man. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, I appreciate it. I appreciate you, cuz. Hey, likewise, man. Keep doing your thing, man. You're going to be great. You're going to be better than me. Just believe it. Yes, sir. Just believe it.